Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, free agents are already trickling into the facility in El Segundo. Should we be excited about who the Lakers are working out? That's next on Locked On Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on weekends, no matter how you get your podcasts, where you get your podcasts, always fresh Lakers content available for you and never behind a paywall. Um, so we're some interesting stuff, Andy, has popped up because of Jason Tatum's uh, very well-documented uh, appreciation. Uh, relationship. Of, yeah, relationship. Uh, idol idealization of Kobe Bryant. Um, that that's it, it's led to some some interesting Twitter conversations between you and and some uh, followers of us there, some uh, watchers of the show at um, Cam Brothers. That's where yes. you can find us on Twitter and Locked On Lakers on YouTube. So we'll we'll get into that. Um, but the before we do, I realized in between <laughs> the cold open and the theme that I asked a question. Probably in the wrong way. I noted that the Lakers are working out potential free agents uh, to bring in. Um, I, I probably should have noted these are like the minimum guys, um, the Langston Galloway, uh, DJ Wilson, Alizé Johnson, guys like uh, Kyle the- Guy, who I just kind of like. I just like the name Kyle Guy. Hey, Guy. All right. Um, the, the short answer is spoiler alert. No, <laughs> nobody's getting excited about any of those people. Um, but like when you see the names that are out there, the, those four specifically, and the, you know, 20 other Langston Galloways that they'll be bringing in between now and when they actually sign people, what is your reaction to that? Uh, my immediate reaction was being happy that they seem proactive about this because, mm-hmm. You and I talked about this before the show, and maybe we're just misremembering stuff, but I don't recall the Lakers typically working out free these type of free agents. We're not talking about guys that might end up going undrafted and therefore would end up undrafted. Right. Potential second agent. rounders you'd right. try to purchase. The Austin whatever. Reeves or Alex Caruso's of the world. We're talking about guys who have NBA experience, like Langston Galloway probably has played in the league six or seven years, if I had to guess. Alizé Johnson has been in the league. DJ Wilson has been in the league. These are guys that have bounced around and have often fought to stay in the league, but they're NBA players nonetheless. And, And these are not guys that I recall the Lakers having workouts with this early in the process of an offseason. So if nothing else... This felt good to me just because it felt like proactivity. And for an offseason, Brian, that we've talked about, it, it is very important on a lot of different levels that this organization gets its proverbial bleep together. This felt like part of the process. So I was actually happy about it. Yeah, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember if you're correct or incorrect about when the Lakers started working out um, these types of free agents. I mean, they could have 
six, seven, eight slots available for players like this, depending on what kind of trades they make, what they do with with different players and whatever. Um, you got to get going on it. And they're not all going to be, you know, Malik Monk type players. You hope to get a couple of those or, you know, the Carmelo Anthony type guys who are make a lot of sense. And, you know, you, you plug in and have a little bit more of an NBA uh, track record to them. I... I don't mind that they're doing it. I agree with you. I think it's good that they're doing it, but, and I don't mean this to disparage the names of the actual human beings that were in the facility this week. It is a reminder of what the challenge is for Palinka and now Darvin Ham and the rest of the staff as it gets assembled because, you know, you don't, you don't build a winning team out of Langston Galloway, Kyle Guy, Elise Johnson, DJ Wilson. Like these are people that ideally on a good team are your break in case of emergency type players. That's why they're available to work out in June. Yeah. But, but at the same time, though, if, if there are certain things that you know you are looking for culturally, and both Rob Palinka and Darvin Ham talked about as an example the need to upgrade toughness that was missing from last season mm-hmm. and i i think both physical toughness and mental toughness was drastically absent last season i would agree uh, th- <laughs> this was not a team that i thought even semi regularly showed resolve uh nearly as often as it needed to and if, say, an Alizé Johnson or a Langston Galloway, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know the answer to this, but if these are guys that through the reputation they've built around the league, you know that they are limited in skill set, but they will ratchet up practices in terms of that type of toughness, or they can be a part of that. If that is something that you are looking to instill 1 through 15, then it doesn't, by any stretch, solve what you need overall. But it could be a part of helping trying to just create that. And, you know, it's it's similar to a lot of different issues uh, that are complicated around the country that we look to, you know, our public officials to solve. There is typically no one thing that will make it happen. Right. And if we but, can't do the, if we can't do the one thing that fixes everything, then we'll just do nothing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> that is, is our that it becomes our solution to right. everything. So the we it's it's I guess if nothing else, nice to see the Lakers potentially perhaps trying to avoid the route of Congress. Well it's <laughs> like they're they're actually trying to maybe incrementally bring about the things that they know they want to have for next season. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because like we talked, I know on Wednesday's show, we mentioned the idea of kind of maximizing the skill sets of the coaches. Like, you know, we, because they're not going to have the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, everybody's going to be, according to Ham, have a hand in everything that goes on inside, you know, inside the coaching staff. Certain guys will be better at other things than others. And it's Ham's job to accentuate those positives, fit everyone together in the best way to set up his coaches to have the most success and therefore the team. It's it's the same way with this stuff because when, you know, Elise Johnson, for example, I believe is good at, I, I somebody wrote this down, I think it was Jacob Rude uh, at, at Silver Screen and Roll. Like he's 
a good offensive rebounder or might have been Cranjus McBasketball. And that's and that's about it. Let's say, but let's say that's the thing you want to have on your roster. Okay, fine. You you do that. You have to build a cohesive unit around the rest of it. How does the next undrafted free uh, how does the next street free agent minimum guy fit into that? What's the skill set that this player can bring that will enhance, you know, the other dudes that can work well with LeBron? That maybe he may be a one trick pony, but it's a trick we need to play with Anthony Davis effectively or whatever it is. Like these parts have to fit together in very specific ways because you know, the the Gary Payton story, you know, this year with Golden State is a thousand percent the exception to the rule where you find a guy where suddenly the right system and the right context unlocks him as a really valuable member of a good Could team. Have been a Laker. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I said, Andy, the right context and the right supporting cast. I know. And, the right and, coach. and it's always important to remember that success with one team doesn't mean success with every team, but that's my point. Right. Yeah. You, Gary Payton has still, been, the, you know, yeah. he's been this guy with it. Oh, sure. But what they're Absolutely. doing in golden state, which happens to work, I think for a lot of players in very specific way. I don't think Kevon Looney is as valuable on other teams as I, he look, is. Draymond Green likely is not as valuable yeah. with other teams, or you don't unlock what Draymond Green can do. Certainly for all 29 other teams around the league. I'm just saying it's always a little bit disappointing when you see a guy that was actually in the Lakers, you know, house. And it's always so to speak. It's always like the same three teams, too, that seem mm -hmm. to find ways. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, you and I could turn into valuable rotation members in Miami. I'm fairly sure <laughs> of that at this point. Like they're just that good. Well, if nothing else, uh, I, I think I could just prove my worth over there by going push up for push up with Pat Riley. Because I don't know if you heard, but Pat Riley during a recent press conference when he was talking about how he's going to stay on with the Heat despite being 77 years old, he said, you know, I could do more push-ups than all of you, all of you being the media. And Pat Riley could, I, I imagine, still take me in a street fight even though he's 77 years old. And I don't think it would be that much of a challenge. But I actually think I could do as many push-ups as Pat Riley, and that right, would coming be coming on way. Friday's episode of Locked On Lakers. Andy will do push-ups, and we will count them, and then we will put the challenge out. So we can do this on camera. I will count out loud with the camera pointed to the ground. You will do your push-ups. I need Riles. I need Riles. You need him. Do you need him right? That is yeah. such a cop out. No, that is I, such I, a trick. I can I do. I Andy Kamenetsky can do more push-ups than Pat Riley, but only if he's in the room with me. Boo! Look, I I don't know how many. First of all, I don't know how many Riley can do, but I also I want to beat the man, I, or I want to right, so keep up. With him. Lay down the gauntlet, man. Put you do your push-ups, and it's, it's, we'll put the number out there. We will put the challenge out to Riley, and we'll see what happens. Maybe Andy he'll duck you. Maybe you can do so many push-ups that Pat Riley, despite all the rings that he likes to lay on the table for free agents, um, you know. He, he he will be frightened off by you. He probably is like a Lloyd Mendelbaum from Seinfeld, the, I, the geriatric the way, trainer. I, I am 100% putting my money on Pat Riley in the push-up. Yeah, it's quite possible. But I push-ups I'm generally pretty good at. So you, we'll you, are, you're, you are very good. I'm still putting my money on Riley. Um, let's do the... Uh, 
I got one more thing I just I want to say about this, but then uh, let's let's get into this uh, Tatum stuff because I think it's it is a fascinating commentary on how people see both the Lakers Celtics rivalry, but also fandom in general. So we'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And look, why would you even go to one of those places, spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts or even at a new car dealership where you're going to deal with some shady salesperson openly treating you like a sucker, talking down to you like a fool? You know they go in back and they make fun of you. All the salespeople, like just what an idiot you are. Don't deal with all that because you can get it for way less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks on average at a chain store. It's only 216 at Rock Auto. They're a family business. They've been serving auto park customers online for 20 years. And it's perfect for people like me, Brian, because you know, I don't enjoy the experience of being around people. So this <laughs> works true. out. This works out awesome. So go to Rock Unless Auto. it's Pat Riley in a push-up contest. <laughs> Virtually Pat Riley in push-up contest. So go to rockauto.com right now. I interviewed Pat Riley a few years ago for a piece we wrote uh, about Chick Hearn over the years and what people took from being around Chick. And it was honestly intimidating doing that fluff interview with Pat Riley. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Uh, quick reminder, if you have not done the listener survey over there at uh, Locked On Podcasts, uh, please do. It is very helpful to us. Uh, LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. That's where you go. Uh, if you fill this thing out, you can be uh, a winner of one of 10 uh, Ticketmaster, $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. It helps us improve the show. It helps us improve the network. Um, so if you get a chance, again, LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Um, I, I will say one of the things that people, when they hear the names, like we we talked about in the first segment, they they go back to Wenyan Gabriel. They go back to Stanley Johnson. And I, I would like to remind people and again, this is not to disparage either one of those players. Um, they were not and will not be guys going forward who you want to give large roles in a rotation to. You will not build a, I, I think, a championship caliber team if those guys are your sixth, seventh, eighth players in your rotation. Um, it was in the context of last season's dumpster fire where the energy and the effort and the give a bleep of those two guys who were trying to get their way back into the league felt both needed because of the context you talked about uh, in terms of how often they brought it and and the fight and the toughness. Um, but it was just, they were positive stories uh, that cut through a lot of the, the disaster. But they weren't necessarily high-end performers. And so the Lakers are going to have to find better players the 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 genuine middle class upper middle class players who aren't all stars but are really good nba players if they're going to get the roster in a place where it is not so wildly dependent on lebron and ad to get them to the playoffs that's my yeah i mean i, I would say about that I, I would push back a little bit only in the sense that if you have actual structure around some of those guys or you know, build out more of that stanley johnson i think could be the eighth guy on a playoff team, what Stanley Johnson can't be is the structure. You right. know what I'm saying? Like if there is more, if there is more around him to accentuate and just be able to stay in a very specific lane, doing very specific things 
with other better players, then I do think he could be useful. Right, but you can get away you can get away with one or two of those sort of fringy type players who fit contextually in a perfect way. Um on yes. a good team. Like you can get yes. away with a couple, but you can't get away with four of them. Oh, absolutely. I'm just I'm just saying the idea that those guys could not in a vacuum contribute at all, like any of them on a on a team that goes on a deep playoff run, I think that's a little bit too far. But the idea that they, you know, three or four of them could at the same time. <laughs> that's that's really what I'm getting at. That's and where you the, get into trouble. The problem with last year is they often had like four guys on the floor at once, off, sometimes five, and sometimes like three or four if, of them if, starting. If you're trying to set up, you know, a two-man game between Stanley Johnson and Wendy and Gabriel, that's, <laughs> and, if that's and your you're, and you're relying on that for the offense, that's right. where problems could arise. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just you got to be careful. Um, I, they, they're important. These guys are important members of a roster, and Ham, I think, will will be great at getting the most out of them. It was it's, when he talked about that on on Monday. Before he talked about LeBron and AD, he talked about Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves and and connecting with those level players to get the most out of. It. I have no doubt that Ham will help these guys be as successful as they can be. I just think there's a limit as to what that is, and you you can't ask them to. It, it is unfair to ask them to do too much. Um, nice but anyway, lots of time over the course of the summer to see all the names and, and all that stuff as as the uh, offseason goes on. How do you describe Andy this Tatum story? Like what? It, it, it surprised. It has surprised me in how it has come up and and the the passion from certain Lakers fans at all of it. How, how, so set it up however you want. Well, I mean, the backstory is Jason Tatum, I think most Laker fans know this, was a huge Kobe fan. Kobe was his favorite player growing up. He actively patterned his game um, after Kobe. Um, Kobe did that that series that he used to do with uh, ESPN. I, I can't remember the name at all off the top of my head, but breaking down different young players, he focused one on Jason Tatum. They've they developed a relationship before Kobe's death. He considered, I, I think, Kobe a mentor beyond just somebody that he idolized. And during this playoff run for the Celtics, Tatum has, I think, in a lot of ways dedicated this to Kobe or at minimum paid very active. Right, he uh, wore the homage. 24 wristband. Um, in game seven versus mm -hmm. Miami when they advanced, there's a new piece on ESPN from Ramona Shelburne and Elizabeth Merrill going into Tatum's entire life in basketball. But there is a lot in there about Tatum with Kobe. And the interaction that I started having on Twitter, again, at Can Brothers, began from a tweet from at Yellow Hand Man, um, quote, Tatum just seems intent on co-opting Kobe into his championship chase, but he's showing a complete lack of understanding and respect for the Lakers-Celtic rivalry, to which I responded, or he's just putting aside that rivalry out of respect to what Kobe meant to him personally and professionally, which I think is more moving. Lakers-Celtics, which has nothing to do with Warriors-Celtics, exists completely independently of Jason Tatum. And then I also added, and I don't think this should require spelling out, but he is paying literal tribute to Kobe here. 
Like if Kobe was still alive, I'm willing to speculate that Tatum wouldn't feel compelled to acknowledge him in the exact same way no. during these playoffs because context matters. Like, this, but you know, and is- I'll, I'll say this: Were Kobe alive, do you know who he'd be talking to right now during the finals? Kobe, Jason Tatum, right? Kobe and Jason Tatum would be communicating during these finals um, because human relationships actually do matter more than the laundry um, and should, (laughs) particularly since Kobe wouldn't be an active player. Like this would be a guy, Kobe would, uh, you know, Jason Tatum would be a a young player who patterned his game. I mean, honestly, when when Tatum was younger, some of the criticism was he had a little too much Kobe in his game. Oh, it was a big criticism. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and all of this stuff, like he would be talking to Tatum and, Tatum, uh, Tatum would have reached out to Kobe. Kobe would be t- because the, the relationship that they built as people would transcend the laundry. Um, but tell me a little bit more. About- I mean, if it didn't really quick, if it yeah, didn't sure. transcend the laundry, Kobe would have never given Tatum this advice to begin with. Right. Detailed, said, by the way, was the name of the, the series. You go back and look it up. You know, right. He would have said, like, available. look, I, I like this young kid's game. He's great. He's got a lot of potential, but he's a Celtic. So for the time being, F him. Right. Like that, like if it meant that much, Kobe would not have bothered to help a Celtic in the first place. All right. So tell me a little bit more about these exchanges that you had uh after the break, because it really gets into what the nature of fandom is and I, I, for lack of a better term, the rules uh, and the debates about those rules. And so I thought it was fascinating. And so let's talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. And they're just continually, the folks over at Built Bar, reinventing the possibilities of what they can offer you with awesome tasting goodness. For example, who does not love a chewy chocolatey brownie, particularly if it's a chewy chocolatey brownie with caramel swirled on top? And then who would not love that brownie with all the caramel and chocolate and all the goodness, if it happened to include 17 grams of protein, everybody would love that because they're not idiots. And you're in luck because over at Built, they've created said bar, the new caramel brownie bar. It's better than a dessert, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, but 17 grams of protein, the collagen protein that your body absorbs more efficiently. You get all these great health benefits from it. The caramel brownie is just going to knock you just right off whatever you're sitting on, standing on, you know, your perch, as it were. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order, whatever you're standing on. It's just going to knock you over. Just be prepared. Let the people around you know. Maybe somebody can spot you. We want to keep it safe. Again, promo code LOCK15, 15% off at built.com. All right. So, you know, I think what what has gotten under the skin, Andy, of some Lakers fans is the idea that, because Jason Tatum has really shown a great deal of appreciation and admiration for Kobe, and has been so open about Kobe's influence on him and uh, how it, meaningful it would be to win this in part uh, in, in Kobe's memory, um, that it has, I guess, some Lakers fans uh, holding a soft spot for the Celtics in these finals, um, maybe even rooting for the Celtics, which... Um, is against the rules. Verboten, Brian. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Um, I get it. 
I, uh, I, I didn't grow up in LA, like with Lakers Celtics. I will say when growing up in St. Louis, I did think they were the only two teams in the NBA because it seemed like every televised basketball game was Lakers Celtics. Well, I mean, it was uh, in, basically like every other final. One right of in my mind, in, it. in my mind, those two, those two teams played twenty six times a season because I don't remember any other game ever being broadcast. Um, so, I mean, so me, I, I, I get, but like, wouldn't wouldn't you at least be? willing to put that on pause as a fan given why Tatum is doing this like Kobe transcends the rivalry to other players around the league I mean certainly Tatum's not doing anything wrong well I mean Kobe often transcended the Lakers for Laker fans like we we used to talk about this all the time while covering the last 10 years of Kobe's career there were there was often a division between Laker first Laker fans and Kobe first Laker fans. Mm -hmm. And there were fans that saw the Lakers really as a vehicle for Kobe, as opposed to, you know, Kobe serving to elevate the Lakers, you know, would have instantly become Clippers fans had Kobe actually followed through on that. I, yeah, I think there were, there were definitely Laker fans that would have followed Kobe and they would have followed Kobe to Boston if that's where Kobe had gone. And Kobe, as you said, in certain ways, transcended all of this. And if you are a Laker fan who doesn't really feel any any true active rooting interest in these finals one way or the other, but enjoy the finals more when it feels like there is something to root for at all, and you are touched by the idea of Jason Tatum very clearly, you know, a a Kobe disciple. And we almost saw this last year with Devin Booker, another very much a Kobe disciple in the finals, uh, ultimately did not win. But the idea of one of these type of Kobe disciples finally breaking through and winning a championship after Kobe, if that's something that moves you, I don't think you are betraying the Lakers or become any less of a Laker fan if you are able to sort of as a one-off root for the Celtics, which is really rooting for Jason Tatum having that experience that is connected to Kobe. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't think it's that difficult to rationalize. I gotta be honest with you. It's weird in certain ways. It's weird. But like, look, what makes, this is all supposed to be fun. Yes. The reason people hate the Celtics isn't because there is something like intrinsically evil about the Boston <laughs> You start looking at some of the folks who play, there are certainly some of the members of that city. Yeah, I'm not saying there isn't a, something that's intrinsically wrong with certain people in Let's, Boston. Brian, let's not, let's not take this too far. All right? we're, we're on a roll here making a point. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's not lose the audience entirely I, <laughs> you don't have to like boston let's make this clear <laughs> right you don't have to like but like it's supposed to be fun the, the reason it's like it's because you know the the history and all that makes it fun to root against them it makes it fun to have a foil in yeah. sports like like that oh, maybe i'm miss, maybe i'm missing the point like but you know i don't don't like hate hey. I mean, Mikhail had a pretty punchable face. Like, let's, yeah, let's they not do. make this what it was. That's individual Celtics, but like, there's not like the people there are. I'm sure have over time been moral humans who have uh, uh, had the unfortunate burden of wearing that jersey. 
Mm-hmm. Is that fair enough? Yeah. Yeah, we we had dinner at Bill Walton's house. I mean, look, everybody wants to punch Danny Ainge. Like, I get that. (laughs) Robert Ori threw a towel in his face. Right. And he said, and and Ori has said he was lucky there wasn't a brick in it. (laughs) Well, no, it wasn't lucky. He considers it unfortunate (laughs) there wasn't. Right. I guess it's true. (laughs) No, he considers himself unlucky. It wasn't like he meant to grab the brick one and didn't, and he just got lucky. Like, right. Better term. Fortunate. Um, but it's like this is what makes it fun. Like it's like it's the rivalry makes it gives you a foil. Foils are fun to have in sports because it creates stakes. And if you want to be weird and root for Boston as a Lakers fan, as long as you're willing to hear it from other Lakers fans and turn them into the foil and give you something to do and make it fun for yourself and whatever, that's fun. Dirty little secret. You can do whatever you want. Like that as a fan, like people say all the time, like we can't get ahead of ourselves. Like, you know, we got, we got to take it one game at a time. No, fan, you can do whatever you want. You can line up on fig now for the parade yeah. next year. Go, go squat there. It's fine. it's fine. Do whatever you want. It's not going to affect the, whether the team wins or loses in any way, shape or form. But it's the belief that makes it fun. You can do whatever you want. There are no rules. Don't let people be the boss of you on how to be a fan except us. <laughs> yes, we we are we are your guy. But this there was some back and forth. Um, one in particular from Admiral Akbar at Akbar's warning, a guy that Who we, we love. Oh, we love this guy on Twitter. Um, but he he had said to me that my rationale in talking about this misses the point because somebody had pointed out that some Laker fans are root, are rooting for the Celtics and missing uh their there's a lack of respect for the history. And I said, you can respect the history without being a slave to it. And Admiral Akbar responded to me, there's virtue in knowing and respecting history. While one ignores history or willfully disregards it, that disrespectful, no rational case has been presented where a Laker fan can both know, respect the team's history and root for Boston. And I just feel like the rationale, look, the rationale could be you want extra incentive for the Lakers to get their bleep together and the Celtics having one more title could perhaps provide that. Sure. The rationale could also be like, look, if the Lakers are ultimately destined to have more titles when I don't know the earth flames out than Boston, then this is just the timeline that we're on. And you're just going to ride out the timeline and eventually we're going to get there. Or the rationale could be, I don't owe you an explanation. I'm going to do me. You do you. Stay out of my business. Like That could also be the rationale. It is important for me to remember, I think for people to remember, that we're not talking about like like learning from history and respecting history in like the way that we do in combating the rise of fascism. (laughs) Yes. Like like there are, that is very important. We learn from that history. Right. Learning from history, respecting history is, I was a history major, political science, but like I I deeply care about these sorts of things. It, the, the relative importance isn't there. These sports are fun. Um, and so I get it. Um, and like, it's hard for me to like root for the, the Blackhawks in Chicago, big blues fan. Can't see myself doing it, but, um, I just, I just think it's interesting because but this the context, would be for a very specific reason. Right, the like context is so particular. Right, um, that like, it, I don't it, think there are too many fans out there that the Lakers are their favorite team and the Celtics are their second favorite. <laughs> like, right. I, I mean, if that's who you are, fine. But I, but you know what? There was probably a stretch of time where it was a lot easier to do that because, as Kobe pointed out, the rivalry had zero meaning because neither team, the teams, weren't relevant in context in context to each other. Um, so. 
I mean, it's these teams got to the Lakers and Celtics have to keep meeting in ways that matter for the rivalry to have the same kind of juice. This is the one rule I think to being a fan, because I don't, I generally, I find it off putting when people self-proclaim themselves gatekeepers for, you know, how you're supposed to be a fan for your particular team. I think the one rule of being a fan is don't be a belligerent a-hole towards other fans. That's really the only rule I think that should exist. Otherwise, just do whatever you want. And if you care about your team, you care about your team. Like that's that's the baseline. Yeah, you I care. Agree. And I and I would just say, remember, it's supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. And don't do I would my my big thing is as a fan, don't do things that rob you of enjoying this release from the real world, this escape from your daily life, this bonding moment with your kids, whatever it is. Don't do things that ruin it because like you're like you actually like remember we, we did a story for ESPN a bunch of years ago looking for new football teams grew up in St. Louis were orphaned. I skipped the Steelers because people were like, no, seriously, when the Steelers lose on Sunday, it ruins your week until next week. That's too much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm doing that. That's too much. Like yeah. I, I the Lakers lose. It sucks. It's 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 a bummer for the city. It's bad for business. It's all this. But like the sun's going to rise the next day. I'm, not, I'm just not that kind of sports fan anymore. Um, so I would just say make everything fun. And if you're not having fun, then you're missing the point. Um, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you go to see the podcast, like literally see the podcast. Um, if you want to check out another Locked on podcast, try the uh, Locked on NBA Big Board with host Rafael Barlow. It's an in-depth look at the draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and big boards. Really useful, particularly for fans of teams like the Lakers who need to find those hidden gems a little further down in the draft. Um, again, Andy coming on Friday, the uh, push-ups. He's going he's gonna to outdo <laughs> Pat Riley. Um, <laughs> old man Riles, as Andy likes to call him. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see everybody Friday. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.